Thank you for joining me again here with The Real Dirt with Chip Baker. On today's episode, we have a part two with Jeff from Little Hill Farms in Trinity County, California. You can follow Jeff on Instagram and you can download this episode and others at iTunes, Spotify, and just right off our website, The Real Dirt. Dot com. Uh, in this episode, we continue our conversation with Jeff. If you didn't hear the first part, go back and get the first part first. You can listen to the second part, and it totally makes sense. We just kind of babble and talk about weed. But it's a really great, great episode. We talk about the economy, the business of California and Oklahoma, maybe some predictions that we have. We talk about drip irrigation. This uh, second part of El Jefe in Oklahoma it's going to be great. So sit back, fire one up, and enjoy this episode of The Real Dirt. We're back. Real Dirt had to take a small little break there. Uh, you know, the dogs bark out on the cannabis field, and you got to go uh, at least hear what they have to say. You've got several dogs out there, huh? Uh, yeah, I have one main dog. My main dog, Sammy, German Shepherd. Sammy. Don't, She's always, don't fuck uh, with Sammy. She's always on the lookout. German Shepherds are great watchdogs because they... They want to watch, and they have a loud bark, and when they're charging you barking, it's intimidating, even mm-hmm. if they're the biggest sweetheart ever. She's not, though. She's a sweetheart to people. If, <laughs> if, you're, if you're on four legs, though, she's not a sweetheart. <laughs> um, don't say, don't tell, don't tell the... Oh, yeah, no, she's a killer. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah she's, yeah, a, she's a killer. She's killer. a killer. She's a sweetheart to Jeff. <laughs> but yeah, they post up in the window. If they're in the house, they're going to post up in the window and look outside. Mm-hmm. Wait for a squirrel or, or a burglar to run by. So we were talking about Oregon and the collapse of the Oregon market. I think it's similar to what's going on here with Oklahoma. So, I, I, you know, yeah. we should keep chatting about that. So everybody moved into Oregon. Everybody moved to Oregon. California growers, growers from all over the country. Cheaper land. Cheap land. Beautiful place to be. Good, good, good climate in Southern good Oregon. Soil, great yep. climate. And uh, they blew it out when they legalized People needed to were counting on that crop to uh, pay some bills, especially with the massive expansion, and and it, it collapsed the market. The price was just about cut in half. I mean, I heard as little as like a hundred dollar untrimmed pounds, and I also heard like a hundred and ninety dollar trimmed light debt pounds. Yeah, I, I, I never heard quite that low, but damn, that's you're you're losing money at that rate. Actually, the people that are making these hundred and ninety dollar pounds they large commercial nursery one of the largest country and they had 90 dollar production rate on a pound wow so to them they were like oh fuck we usually make 12 (laughs) percent right well hey that's uh that's capturing the economies of scale yeah that captures the economy of scale and and they but you know what they actually have converted to hemp as so many organ growers converted so that's actually contributed as well because of the pollen increase. Well, in many ways it's contributed because many people quit growing. They quit growing ganj. Ganj went into hemp. Growing tons of hemp. Mm-hmm. Poor selection of seeds yeah, and well, dubious genetic salespeople. Oh, yeah. Right? There's several examples of lawsuits going on right now from Oregon. That's created a lot of uh, upset folks and... In Lots Southern Oregon. Yeah, totally. That's also contributed to the, the lower amounts of 
pounds circulating the ecosystem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everybody switch. Uh, so many people switch to hemp, especially the smokable hemp idea, right? Which is yet to develop. It it will develop, but uh, so many people switch to that. You know, you're going from something that's fifty dollars. I mean, I thought saw thirteen dollar pounds. Someone wanted about thirteen dollar pounds of hemp the other day. Right. People think they're going to get $700 for smokable hemp. You know, you can't just take extractable quality hemp and say it's smokable just because you want $700 for it. Right. So similarities between the Oregon and the Oklahoma market is the low regulations. Right. The like, you know, no checkups, the, the you can do pretty much whatever you want. Here's a loose list of rules. Nobody ever comes up to check your shit out. Like, that's what happened in Oregon, right? Pretty and much. They only had like 900 licenses when the market collapsed. 900 cultivation licenses when the market collapsed for 3 million people in the state of Oregon. <laughs> right. <laughs> They thought they were going to blow it out and yeah, no. cash in real quick. Hey, there's thousands here, man. And they collapsed the market. There's thousands and thousands of cultivators here. Most of those people are small and don't like have the historic knowledge. But I mean, out of the thousands, even if there's 1% yeah. that got their shit together, they could, they could grow the whole market. They could. Right. Right. I actually don't think now Oklahoma is a place to be. If you're coming in or want to set up a new cultivation, I really don't think Oklahoma's a place to come. I mean, you know, people can do stuff and make money everywhere, but if you're not already here or on your way here, uh, you know, I don't know, man, all the prices have changed properties, right? All the regulations now are harder. I mean, it's still in its early days, but it's going to bust 100% for the cultivator at some point in the next three years. That seems like it's only inevitable. Mm-hmm. You ride these waves, you got to be in front of it. Yeah, totally. Totally. Meanwhile, people are going to like actually totally crush it for like until that happens. Yeah. And the people that got it together, doesn't matter if they sell $500 pounds or $200 pounds, they're still making profit. Right. What that collapse will, it'll be, it'll, it'll kind of just, it'll thin the herd and it happened. That's why the price went back up in California's. Different different forces thin the herd a little bit, it lowered supply, and prices back up to very uh, very nice levels, maybe uh, 2016, 2015 levels, maybe even higher for some people. Yeah, no, man, I hear uh, people selling three thousand dollar pounds of indoor there in California. Yeah, for the for the primo, and and that's that's pretty sweet. Now we're talking 2010 levels. Yeah, totally. Ooh, man, 2010. Yeah, man. 2010. That's about when you got your start. Uh, well, I've been growing, <laughs> growing maybe eight years prior to that. Right. right. Start, start in the big leagues, maybe. <laughs> man, let's talk about your first garden, Jeff. 600 wildlife. If you were in modern day Oklahoma, you could for $2,500, $3,000, have a commercial license and start out just this way. My first garden, they didn't have grow tents back then, but that's basically what I built out of two by fours in plastic. plastic. Yeah, got a carbon filter. Did you have to make that, or did no? They, they were available. They were available at that point. O two, mm-hmm. six inch fan, cooling the the six hundred watt light, air cooled. Popped a bunch of sweet tooth number three seeds. You got from Canada. I got Mark from Emory. Mark Emery. No, no, uh, uh, England. England. Okay. 
hold nine or ten ounces. Pretty happy with that. Oh yeah, one light off of, of five plants off of six hundred. You thought you were the man. It's a good plant. I found out. I realize now as I grew the right strain because that thing, nothing was stopping it. No, totally great, great grower. Good great plant. Grower. I'm surprised it, it hasn't come back yet. Maybe I'll bring it back. I got some seeds somewhere. Oh yeah, I don't remember it being like that great. Man, I had one pheno because I grew a lot of them out over the years. They're great, but like the quality. Uh, it was pretty frosty, fruity smelling. Oh, yeah, yeah. Good density. You just need to break that back out. Yeah, I think it, I think it would play. It, it yielded really, really well. So you just planted out some seeds, random, Plant, kind of random seeds. I mean, I kind of researched it, but all right, this is exactly what what's going grow. on in Oklahoma right now. Yeah. Right. People like two hundred thousand medical licenses have been issued. Did you have a medical license back then? No. No. Um, I was right on the cusp of all of that. I, I got one shortly after that, but it was still like two or three years down the road. I actually just decided it was it was worth it. All right, and you you got ten ounces. Mm-hmm. Smoked it all, I'm sure. Yep. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think you smoked me out on some of it. Uh, <laughs> no, we probably didn't even know each we other. We didn't know each other, right? Uh, so, so that was your your first grow. Yep. Did you immediately have this idea that you wanted to do it for a living? No, I never thought I would go full-time pot grower. I always, I was in school, I was doing that, but it was, I was definitely into it, bare minimum on a hobby level. I mean, that's really what I learned to do in college. So as time moves on, you move into a, you decide, okay, I'm going to, my friend's got this house for rent. I'm going to go, I'm going to go rent this house out and, uh, grow in the back bedroom either, uh, yeah, either 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 pull it off on that first crop we were, this one was in the basement pull off that first basement crop or go broke and pulled it off and say oh okay that worked I'm gonna add. the margins were so high then oh were you we, could afford you what could was afford we selling for back in 2004 4000 a pound yeah right to, so to my friends you could that that's a modern modern day 3 pound a light price right so yeah and i wasn't getting a pound of light but you could afford those uh, that learning curve at four thousand bucks. Yeah, yeah, totally. at four thousand bucks, you could afford to make some mistakes. The market wasn't so saturated that if you had some lower quality stuff, you couldn't sell it. You know, the market wasn't saturated at all. So, if you had weed, even in California, even in Northern California, you could sell it. Yeah, yeah. Just no matter what it was, it no matter what seed weed. or, or <laughs> strains, nobody right. knew yet. Right. Quite. See, that's 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 good. That's exactly what's going on in Oklahoma right yeah. now. You can grow whatever you want, pretty much. Lots of indoor auto flowers, right? <laughs> and I'm not sure if people are selling weed, right? But uh, I mean, you know, uh, my wife's dispensary, Baker's Medicals. She's buying like you know top notch weed for resale, indoor weed. It's not auto flower. Yeah, she looks great. Right, some of the best weed in the world, even. Yeah, you saw some of it. Yeah, I mean, if you're if you're a skilled grower, you can grow indoor anywhere. Yeah, totally. I mean, the our our vendors have come from other places and actually say that they they think their cannabis is ganjas improved because of the humidity. They were growing in really dry, dry locations. Yeah. And they think that the quality has improved because of the increased humidity. I bet it has. Right. I mean, going from. 20% to 40% is a big deal. Yeah, you can change the morphology of the plant, too. And it'll grow a little different. You might find, oh, I like those broad leaves. You know, I'm get, getting better growth rates. At what point back then, like looking back on it, was there a, a point where it wouldn't have worked out if the price structure was different? 
I mean, I, I hit the ground running because I had done a lot of research and I pretty much had my first grow all planned out. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew how the plant worked. I knew potential pitfalls. I had a good, uh, let's say, recipe I was following. So it wasn't a ring, ring and a, a wing and a print. No, I, I, had, I had put quite a bit of work into it. So you it. got your recipe from the grow store, I bet. Or from a buddy? I got it from online. Online, okay. And it was a real simple organic soil mix. Mm-hmm. And a couple of a couple of additives that that are pretty uh, low NPK, but like help the soil out a lot, like plant ferments. And uh, it was kind of hard to overfeed, hard to underfeed. Didn't really have to worry too much about that. Just, just, just gave the plants water, kind of learned about that. And just growing a really vigorous strain that that was a producer um, growing from seed also didn't have any pest problems, so sure. it kind of all came together on that first grow. And you took clones. I, I didn't take clones off that first first crop, but I did off the I did I planted more seed and I and I took clones off that. Did crop. you make seeds on the first run? No, no. I mean, what you're saying is you, you had you if it had been twenty five hundred dollars a pound or two thousand dollars a pound, you still think you would have been come still, forward with it. I still would have been okay just because it was successful. You know, there's so much more access to things now. Uh, one nice, I mean, I just kind of lucked out. I came into it like at a good time, really at the end of the good time because even the Bay Area got saturated with every rookie indoor grower trying to sell some weed. And <laughs> totally. It hurt the quality, the general quality of weed. It did go down. Um, I mean, it, when it weed was scarce, mm-hmm. you got both super shitty weed but that ended up being in a a marketplace where it was either you could get it or couldn't get it right and then you got the fucking best ganja <laughs> right definitely things are relative and some some batches you'd get were better than others but uh it was just at the beginning of the name game and people knew what train wreck was people urkel had Urkel wasn't quite there yet, but it was that was the next but one. But it was coming, right. and it that was the big next one. Is the Urkel, the Granddaddy, the the Grape Ape? Those purples mm-hmm. became huge in the Bay, and right. that's what everybody wanted. And boy, that's by that time, I that's what I was growing. All right, what was that first purple strain? Urkel. Urkel. Yeah. Urkeline. Um. Uh, yeah. Wow. Difficult grower, Urkel. Yeah, I didn't yield too much. Quality was outstanding, though. Hey, if, if there's any Urkel growers out there, tell us the best way to grow Urkel. There's there's a couple of tricks. I'll I'll tell okay. I'll tell a couple. Okay, okay, for, okay. Everybody, sit back, put your put your rolling papers down, and pick up your pen and if paper. You're, if you're growing a really really squat indica, like Bubba or Urkel, yeah, something that doesn't stretch after something flowers. that's really not going to stretch. You got to veg it. You mm-hmm. got to keep humidity up. Mm-hmm. As you veg it, keep humidity up through through the through the stretch to get those branches to stretch out, and the leaves are going to get huge because it's so humid. We're talking seventy, eighty percent. D leaf all those giant fan leaves because you're going to get no light penetration. Prune up everything underneath because it's just going to be larf. Those strains larf out real bad. And they have this this inner leaf too. That's the the leaf that's close to the stem off the branches. That's the the real bottoms right. of Urkel or, or Bubba. So do do all those things. Keep your humidity up. Cut your humidity at week three after stretch and don't overfeed. Let the let the leaves go from dark green to light green. 
not not super light, but just you don't want that dark, dark green color, or your your nugs aren't going to swell, mm-hmm. and you're going to end up with these little small sort of grape nuglets, and it's not going to burn right. It's not going to taste good. But if you let that go from like dark green to like a nice rich emerald green by backing off on your nutrients, you'll find that the buds swell. And you end up with these big golf ball rock hard nugs, and that's where you're gonna get your weight from. And it's gonna it's gonna smoke better because you didn't overfeed it the whole time. It's gonna be really tasty. You you'll have become a more skilled grower because of because of learning those small manipulations. What's canopy density? Perfect canopy density for Urkel. For Urkel, I'd say let's see, nine under a six hundred would always good. Of course, I would top, which would make the the plant wider but it would even out your canopy mm-hmm. and, and you're you're flowering these when they're 16 inches 18 inches tall uh you know 18 inches you know after you topped let the rest of those tops reach the canopy strip off everything that's not there 18 inches they might finish at 24 inches but you've got you know six to nine coals a plant nine plants of light are you still like pulling off the bottom third of the branches and leaves in this scenario any after you top if you just take the very tip and give it maybe another two more weeks of edge you'll notice well a lot of the side branches will reach the canopy the top of the canopy that branch isn't reaching the top of the canopy cut it because it's never going to good point and then and 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 you mean top of the canopy but like you within an inch or two of the rest of the plant yeah i mean if you're looking at the plant from the very top down if you can't see the growth tip cut it because it's not at the top and it's not going to be seeing the light right and then you know trim up those branches to get rid of any other side branches off those and uh should have a few nodes you know four or five nodes on each top and flip it and uh Flip it. You'll end up, you know, maybe half ounce, maybe quarter ounce, just depending on how you're doing things per per cola. And that'll that'll add up. There you go. Not a not a particularly heavy yielding strain. Um, you know, I like the other technique of it though. Right? The one plant per square foot in a three to five gallon pot, grow it till it's 18 inches, 24 inches, bottom off, I mean, pull off the, 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 the bottom one third mm-hmm. and, and flower it, right? Cut down on veg time a little bit. Bare, barely little. You just end up with a more plant, you're, the density of your garden increases and those like little nuggets on the Urkel. Right, you get that same perfect nugget over mm-hmm. and over again. It's also like, in, in, in my experience, it was easier to make them purple, where you had more purple. Interesting, things like that. Because yeah, know, we didn't talk about that. Yeah, we didn't even talk about the purple uh, Purpleine. That's a thing too. Um, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, like these purple punches here, man. These are these, you know, outside they've been brown, not purple, because it's so hot. <laughs> Right. Uh, indoors, they start to turn up purple as soon as you start to flush them if you're growing them hot, like hydro. Yeah, I've never grown this strain. So I know it's popular, but. Oh, uh, you've never. I thought. Oh, I've never grown this. Never uh, grown it. Just, you know, just aware of it. It's been really popular. And 
Beautiful plant. It's Beautiful a great. Bud. It's a great weed, man. Yeah, it's, it's, it's tasty. I mean, people call it purple no punch, and that's true. Even though it has really high THC levels, it 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 is known not to get people super iry if you smoke it all the time, or if you're just a super chiefer. Like yeah, we'll we say. were just talking about that. It's got the purple. You love this weed. I would because it's tasty. Mm-hmm. But it and, and it's got the stretch from the OG, which everybody's always just wanted a purple plant that stretches so you don't have to veg it for six months just to get it to size, which has been the yield killer on those purple plants is totally. you got to veg them forever. They got the terps. They got the plant structure. Even the THC is higher than what, what a granddaddy will put out, but it just doesn't pack that punch you think an og would absolutely it is uh it's not as strong as you want it to be it's for all, sure i've been terpenes. looking for that purple og for years man Me too. i've been looking for it we both thought we planted a few different company seeds and a few of our friends seeds and yeah still hadn't found the purple og if you've got that og that look that's purple i think i i think i saw it at emerald cup one year some oregon grower showed me a jar and i I should have just asked him for a cut and just because figured he'd just say no, but should have at least tried. But he had it, man. He had some purple nugs with the OG sort of gas nose on the back end, but purple up front. And mm-hmm. The nugs looked proper, smelled proper. I asked him about the plant structure. And if you're out there, Oregon grower who was at Emerald Cut maybe Is three years ago, weed? contact with the contact Jeff. Little Hill Cultivators. Damn. See if we can't work something out. If you're in the California regulated industry, that is. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, man, uh, you know, lots of regulatory people listen to this show. Definitely listen to by uh, uh, some Maryland regulators, some Oklahoma regulators, some Colorado, some California, some Oregon, some Washington. All of these people have reached out to me. Uh, they they listen to what we have to say. They find that this show and others like it really allows them to to hear and understand what's going on in the cannabis growers thought pattern or business um and you know they reach out they've reached out to us man well if that's the case let me uh, i got a few oh hey here, here's the gripes. mic here, here's the here 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 here's the mic hey now here's what i want to say before you start griping is i know you guys are all working incredibly hard in a really difficult environment but we got some problems yeah, um, I know you guys have been overworked in a lot of cases, um, but just the way the regs go, as a cultivator, I can't bring my crop to market, and I'm in a remote location. I have to get a separate transport license, which I've done, so I can transport my product to market, and you know that's fine, but some of the regulations for this self-transport-only license are the same as if you're a full-on distribution, and... uh you know, the most expensive thing that I have to pay for for this transport license, which doesn't bring any revenue, you know, the cultivation does, but the transport license is just transporting. I'm not running a business, separate business. You're just hauling your weed I, to market. I need to find liability insurance, which I don't need for cultivation, but I'm required to have for transport of a million dollars. And it's really difficult and it's really expensive to find a carrier. Oh, yeah. And it's, I mean, the license is a $200 license. But, you know, I'm going to end up spending five, 10 grand on insurance every year for a $200 license for, for us little old 
10,000 square foot mixed light cultivators. I think that's a bit excessive. There's certainly some other ones. Do you think this is a regulation money grab? Uh, well, it's 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 not a money grab because a license is two hundred dollars. Fine, that's the cheapest license there is in the whole mm-hmm. the whole structure. But to require me to have the same insurance as a full on distribution, they've they've made some other sort of concessions where I don't need, like literally, my premises is a woodshed with a filing cabinet. Nobody needs to go in there besides me. There's no product stored there, so I get I don't need security, I don't need cameras. I mean, we're just we're talking about a filing cabinet here. So in that sense, you know that that was that was a good that was a good work realizing that that was, that's a bit excessive to protect a filing cabinet. But on the flip side, the insurance is it's not easy to get. Plus, it's like incredibly expensive. That man, I don't feel I need. Who knows? Maybe maybe it's good business sense to do it. But uh, at well, this you point, do need I'm liability just, insurance. But hey, man, that that people want to charge you. And you got it for five thousand dollars a year. Yeah. Well, you got a good deal on it, because at uh, a, a many people pay twelve, eighteen thousand dollars. Wow. Right. Like you, you got a good deal on it. Like mm-hmm. it, it is hard to get. It's expensive. People are taking advantage of the cannabis regulatory market. Sure. For sure. Sure. Yeah, I had to go through a few companies to to figure that out, and definitely some of them were definitely looking to cash in real quick. If I have more than one license on the same property, cultivation license on the same property. This is all California, man. Yeah. I can't have one nursery or I can't have one immature plant area and distribute plants to all those licenses, to those separate gardens or, or however. I have to have a separate nursery license, which because of my county's wisdom, I've, I've become realize I'm not zoned for. Because they associate nurseries with retail nurseries, traffic showing up, people coming to buy plants and and business, a retail business. They've deemed my my cultivation site isn't uh, appropriate now. So which forces me to either put up a silly wire fence all throughout my immature plant area to keep the spaces different. So I grow X amount of plants for each license. They're in their own licensed area. It's just stupid. If 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 the if the licenses are on the same premises or the same property, you should you should be able to you know, under one entity. You should be able to grow your immature plant area, your nursery veg area. You're, you're talking immature plants, no buds, hardly yeah. any THC. Hardly, yeah, not not a measurable amount, right. anyways. The, the the economy of them is 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 small. Right. So. Yeah, there's, I mean, little money in it. Just let let us. There's no money in it. There's no money. I in mean, it. my other choice is to buy from a nursery and and buy specific plants for each license type. Mm-hmm. But then you know that costs me more money, right? You know, and because or I put these silly fences up, dividing up my my greenhouse uh, immature plant area, put these silly fences up, and that's just that's overregulation. That's overregulation. You know, they could all be grown you know, tracked through one license and then distributed through these other license types. They're all owned. They're all in the same people. The plants are, you know, flowering out right next to each other. I think that's a, I think that's a bit silly, especially if you being forced to have a nursery license, which is another whole headache on top of that. You don't even intend to, to sell plants. 
You know, you're not, uh, you're, again, you're not intending to run They're it as a separate you. business. It's, a it's business. simply for me. Mm-hmm. You know, there should be some type of separate way around this so that I can just grow plants for myself and distribute them to different license types through different licenses on the property. For example, if I have two 10,000 square foots in a, in a 10,000 square foot mix light or you know, just the way the property is divided up. You, you, a lot of people end up with multiple licenses sometimes. I think that's my main two right now. I'm sure if I was more prepared, I could have came with a list. But I, I'd say looking into like what regulations are not necessary or their intended purpose, it's not achieving their intended purpose is, is important to look at. And they have been receptive towards some things. Big reason why a, a bunch of farmers in Trinity just started our own trade organization to start uh having a louder voice in uh what's that what's that in policy trinity county agriculture alliance we just started i'm a founding member um tcaa, some other, TCAA. yeah and so that's 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 why we finally got together it's been really hard to to to, to group together trinity farmers just because we're spread out a lot a lot of folks are real opinionated um, but we all kind of agree that like this is this is the best for everybody. You know, it's a so far so good. We're it's it's really neat to be a start of something that hopefully will have an impact on on not just Trinity regulations but state regulations. Yeah, that's great, man. We gotta we gotta work together. We got to uh, get together and have our voices heard. The the people that I often see that are speaking from for for the cannabis community, they don't really know what they're talking about. Many of the people are uneducated. They're not actual farmers. Farmers are busy farming. So they just repeat some of the words they hear farmers say, and they might have the best heart in the world, but, you know, they don't realize like, oh, well, I mean, you know, uh, here in Oklahoma, for instance, oh, well, once a plant is uh, over 18 inches tall, we're just going to call that a seedling. Right. And, you know, they don't know any better that that's not exactly what that means or that's not the terminology. But now legally, like we have here in Oklahoma, uh, when a clone is over eight inches tall, it's now called a seedling. Interesting. (laughs) You know, definitions are going to be different in every jurisdiction and and fighting for what those definition is. Like, you know, a a mature plant and immature plant was a big one in California. Yeah, totally. Totally. They wanted to call it a certain height mature. And that's just, that just doesn't work if you're growing from seed because it hasn't declared its sex yet. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of issues that maybe they didn't realize, but it seems like people were screaming at them that you can't do that. You're going to put my business plan out, you know, based on something that's not a real thing. And, I mean, there's a lot of different ways people want to grow. And when you start over-regulating, you start limiting how a farmer sees fit to, to do his job. And, and that really it's sucks. It's hard to SOP. All those people are like, I SOP, I SOP. Yeah. Man, it's hard to SOP. There's no right way to do it sometimes. Especially indoor gardens. You can do it that way. But yeah. like outdoor well, greenhouse. seems like the system borrowed from Colorado was built on indoor principles and indoor sort of generalities. And then you try to apply that to a guy like me out in the hills. It just doesn't apply, especially the big plant growers. They they want to grow big plants and they should be able to do whatever they want or however they're they've sort of crafted their skills around. And that's 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 big plants for a lot of people. And uh, it just makes harvest and track and trace a real a real pain in the ass. Yeah, I'm not a big plant fan. 
Um, I like to walk amongst them. I like to walk amongst them. It's been a few years since I grew big plants. I like to have one or two here or there. But without plant limits, yeah, I I see the wisdom in having more plants for sure. Uh, Yeah, totally. Totally. It's it's ego, though. I mean, since I was a little kid, I want to grow a big plant. Hey, man. Like, you've heard that and everybody said it. And, like, I still want to grow a big plant. Yeah, all you have to do is, like, do it once or twice, though. And you're like, God damn. I mean, Man, we had a 10,000 square foot harvest outside, uh, short, late season plants. Everything was two, three foot tall, uh, really high density, great yielding uh, technique for, you know, bumper crop or late season ganja. Uh, and it, it took us uh, less than, I mean, less than 12 hours. Wow. Right, to harvest it all. And I mean, we've had like small 40 pound greenhouses that have taken five, six days because there were these big plants, they're yeah. all roped up, you know, yeah. and start at the front plant and start working your way back. And uh, it's just labor intensive to do it that way. It is. It's it's intensive for uh, resources as well. Water, nutrients. Oh yeah, those big plants just suck it uh, up. They suck man. the water up. Suck uh, it up. Suck the nutrients up. Suck the water up. Yep. Yeah. But uh, what's the like, ideal size plant for you? We were kind of talking about this earlier. I don't know. I'd say I'd say four ounces to maybe six ounces. Yeah, I love this. For me, and, and you're talking like greenhouses outdoors. I'm talking in greenhouses. greenhouses. Indoor would be a, be different. It'd be much smaller. Be probably two to four ounces i like two ounce plants indoors i like quarter and half pound plants in greenhouses light depth uh early season and late season and then uh man just like one to two pound full season plants that you'd plant in june and you know pull yeah one one pounders are and two pounders are pretty easy to deal with Mm -hmm. Yeah, small, like it, bud quality is great. Yeah. You don't have to like dump a ton of nutrient or water in it to make it big nope. enough. The, mm-hmm. You know, you don't get these huge honker nuggets that harbor mold and, you know, right, mm-hmm. look cool. But like on the surface, when you get them, that big four foot nugget just isn't as high a quality. Nope. Right, as a smaller nugget. You know, you just have to give it all that nitrogen to make it grow like that, man. Still nice to walk them in an orchard, but uh, for, oh, yeah, no for doubt, efficiency. Man. Oh, I like um, smell them, trees. Like, I get it, the ease of it. Like, right. I get it. The people who got that shit down, like, they'll, you know, argue and swear by it. And there's people that got it down for sure. Did you hear my latest episode of uh, The Real Dirt with Chef Anna with the pot? I haven't finished it yet. Okay. Yeah, big auto. He's growing them indoor, though. He's growing them indoor. What do you think about growing autos indoor? Growing autos indoor seems like a complete waste of time to me. Uh-huh. Why is that? Because you can make plants flower whenever you want indoors. You don't need them don't to automatically to flower. Right. You know, many people grow them because they think it's easier. Okay. <laughs> you still got to wait 90 days. Still got to wait 90 days. I mean, you could grow a hey. seedling and flip it immediately. I'm gonna give you. Some, I'm gonna give you a couple of things. My my customers tell me, but you don't have to have a timer with auto flowers indoors. Well, then you're just wasting money. Uh, how's that? Cause you got your lights on all day. Oh yeah, that's right. And it costs twice as much to flower it if you're running your lights for 24 hours instead of 12. Yeah. What about 
What about, I don't have to worry about light leaks. Why not? I'm sure autoflowers can hear me too. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I think that that is a legitimate thing people say is they can build rooms without having to like have worry about cross-contamination of light. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's not that hard to build a light die room. It's it's not that hard to plug up light leaks. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Duct tape here and there. Well, it's just so easy. I don't have to worry about like uh, knowing how to grow it. It just grows itself. Same can be said about regular light cycle genetics. Mm -hmm. You grow it. You grow it under eighteen or twenty-four hours light until it's eighteen inches tall, and then turn it to twelve hours light. Pretty pretty simple. Mm -hmm. This autoflower, it's really great weed. I wouldn't say it's really great weed. I'd say it's pretty good. It's pretty good. It's okay. it's suitable. It's suitable. It's good enough. The good ones are good enough to sell as flower. Mm -hmm. They have potency. They have good looks. The yield inside is incredible. No, it's not. <laughs> that would be my reply to that. No, it's not. Because uh, it is yield does equal time and cost. Sure. Right, right. I can flower this in just 90 days. You can flower pretty much any clone in 60 yeah, totally. And we always, and one of my favorite things to say is you're just 90 days away from your biggest crop ever. It's true. It's so true. And you are just 90 days away from the biggest crop ever. And if you have any problems growing the biggest crop ever, man, just get in touch with us at Cultivate Colorado, Cultivate OKC. Look at us online. We have everything you need. And if we don't have it in one of our locations, Locations, we got it in another location and we'll send it right to you. Good plug. Yeah, tell you shop with Cultivate Colorado. Uh, I have used them for my very minimal hydro store needs. Mm -hmm. Flood tables. Just bought some lights. Good plastic stuff. Couldn't find any used lights. <laughs> I just missed one guy selling his, his basically gut in his room and selling all his lights for cheap. And then as soon as I buy the lights new, I f see another person selling 50 lights of exactly what I needed <laughs> for cheap. And it just, I had to pay, I had to pay full, had to pay full new, new price. Lights. Well, I'm a proponent of buy new lights, man. I like to buy new cars too. Like buy that shit new, use it up, throw it away, start over again. Man, <laughs> I could have, <laughs> I, I don't mind the savings on lights. What, and what, what kind of lights are you running? What did in? we get? Uh, Gavita's. Uh, six, no, nah, six to eight hundred. Oh, the flexes. The six, flexes. Oh, that's that is my all time favorite light right now. I got lower, uh, I got a little bit lower, uh, ceiling height in my, uh, in my one greenhouse, and, uh, I, I couldn't go full thousands. And they come with a hood that, uh, will spread the light out more. Mm hmm. And so, so we're gonna put that reflector. I shouldn't say hood, it's more of just a reflector nowadays. So that was my first purchase of uh, double-ended lights. It's, it's 2019, and this in this greenhouse grower didn't have any double-ended lights <laughs> all this time. <laughs> I always thought it was pretty funny. Yeah, you, uh, you, you'll buy an LED one day. Uh, I'm sure it'll come eventually. Hopefully, when the price comes down, if not sooner, I've replaced my T5 bulbs with uh, LED T5 bulbs, which is definitely uh, 
definitely a winner over over those damn fluorescents. Yeah, but man, the seventeen hundred dollars for a light that covers the same area is that six fifty flex. Yeah, I just I can't do it yet, man. Like I mean, I don't see the quality difference. I don't see the power. There's no power difference. There's no heat difference. Yeah, right. Like you know, it, I, I don't I don't see why you would want to pay. And I sell this type of stuff. Right. I don't see why you want to pay seventeen hundred dollars for that. Right. Yeah, I mean, five years from now, it's going to be half the price. Well, I, hope, all I hope five years from now, it's like $400. But, yeah. man, I mean, they've really artificially kept the price of lights high. And the price of lights today are more expensive than they were 10 years ago. Yeah. Know? Right? Yeah, totally. We used to, like, have $100 light packages. Magnetic ballasts. Were, Magnetic uh, ballasts. Screw-in bulbs. Right? Cheap reflectors. Even once like, the price on digitals came down, it was mm -hmm. pretty affordable. Yeah, I mean, I think we still sell $110 digital ballasts right now. Wow. Right, um, at Cultivate Colorado, cultivateofqc.com. Um, you like my little plugs, don't you? Put it in there, it's your, it's your it's show. It's my shit, dude. I know I used to feel guilty about it, but I'm like, no, come shop with me, man. We really do. Please come shop with us. We need, uh, we need your business, we rely on your business. We want to continue to be in this industry, and the way we the way we do it is, is with uh with new customers they have knowledgeable staff i'll say as a customer who i can talk to like when i when i'm not talking to chip i'll talk to his guy jacob i believe he knows what he's talking about so i can ask him a question and get some real information he's not just going to try and upsell me he's going to try and give me what the right thing is or maybe make me aware of some technology or new thing i haven't seen yet because i'm not he talked me, he talked me into these drippers as a matter of fact because they're the, the ones we sell the most of you gotta like just think about that like oh what's everybody buying okay i'll use these two it's been an excellent excellent episode here chatting with you uh i feel like we've just covered like such a range of topics um but we didn't quite get it all we might have to have like i mean this might even be a part two or part three Let's do it. Type of, uh, 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 of, of podcast here. So, uh, yeah, thanks for coming. I really appreciate it, man. Thanks for your uh, input on my drip system and, and not calling me out for using synthetic uh, nutrients. And, uh, <laughs> hey, man, I don't, I don't judge. You do it how you see fit. Yeah. As long as the ganja is good at the end of the day, my ideology, I don't hold other people to that ideology. Yeah, no, agreed, man. There's just time and place for it all. and Just uh, grow good weed. Just grow good weed. There it is. Thank you for joining me on that part two of the El Jefe podcast. El Jefe, Jeff from uh, uh, Little Hill Cultivators in Trinity County, California. He always has a lot to say. I'm sure him and his crew are sitting back listening to this right now. Thanks for coming out and talking ganja with me. It was a great visit we had a couple weeks ago. And uh, I always like to see my friends from other states and other cannabis markets and hear what they got to say. And you know, they give me a few pointers here and there on, on what they think I'm, I should be doing differently. So a great, always a great uh, exchange of information. Thank you for lending me your time and listening to this episode. Next week's episode is, uh, is, is going to be incredible. So I want you to go to iTunes right now. Subscribe. 
download all the episodes you haven't heard and engage with us on Instagram. Shoot me a DM, shoot me a private message on Facebook, The Real Dirt Podcast. We'd love to talk to you. We're doing this because of you. We want to spread the knowledge of cannabis, hemp, medical cannabis, and adult use cannabis to the world. And this is such a great, great, great way to do it. So thanks again for joining us and uh, see you next time on The Real Dirt.